Hey everyone, welcome to the Blip Podcast, where we are continuing our journey to build a successful insurance agency. In this episode, which is my very first interview, I got the chance to speak with Wes Anderson, who is the CTO at Agency VA. Now, I've known Wes for about two years, but really started to get to know him about six months ago. He is just so knowledgeable about the VA sector that I wanted to bring him on as my first guest. And thankfully, he said yes. So a couple things to mention before I get into the interview is that, man, a week ago was supposed to be the very first Facebook Live interview with Wes. And... Uh, had some technical difficulties to say the least. So we didn't actually end up doing it. It was slightly embarrassing, had a ton of anxiety about it. It actually wasn't that bad because the only place it could go or the only direction it could go is up. And so this is my next attempt at it. However, um, as luck would have it, I was super sick when uh, we recorded this and I had 101 fever. I was super achy. Um, I had spent the day prior in bed and the day after in bed. Uh, I really just got out to do this with Wes because I could not push him out another week. And so anyway, you'll have to excuse my voice and also um, if I seem a little lax just because I was pretty foggy and uh, yeah, anyway, hopefully it's not too bad. But also the audio, I, I didn't realize that I was considerably too far away from my microphone and so it was a little echoey and uh, anyway, all things that um, hopefully will be better in future episodes. And so thank you for listening and I'm going to jump right into it. But before I do, I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our master insurance agency, which is Blue Lion Insurance Partners, BLIP for short. We provide access to insurance companies, 100% commission, bonuses, support, software, and systems with no production requirements. And you maintain full true ownership of your policies. Find out more information at bluelioninsurancepartners.com. And with that, let's get into it. Here's Wes. Agency VA um, hey. with me. Wes is the CTO. And Wes, what does that stand for? That that just means the biggest nerd on the block. Biggest nerd on the block. So um, I was just talking with Wes about how, like where he came from. And I got a little bit of the story, but um, I thought we'd start there just to kind of get everyone up to speed. So Wes, you said your dad started a um, uh, tech company, I guess, when you were eight. Yep. So uh, my old man started that tech company when I was eight years old, and uh, that's what I was raised with in that company. And so you, that's kind of how you got, I guess, I don't know, do you have a passion or a severe um, like for technology? 
Have you ever seen the Saturday Night Live skit with Nick Burns, your company's computer guy? No. Not a lot of people have. <laughs> Nick Burns is like like some people like LeBron James as their idol and famous sports guys. My idol is either Kip from Napoleon Dynamite awesome. or Nick Burns. And I do have a passion and love for technology, but I also have a disdain for it because it's it's just been in my life for so long. It's just, it's a huge love hate. Yeah. And so you um, were working at your did you ever work at your dad's um, company for a long time? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. The whole time I was I was in his company and. My dad, uh, he's he's my mentor in life, and he's uh, he's my guy. Uh, the problem with working with your mentor in life and your guy and your own father is I did all the crap jobs within his uh, company, and you know from eight years old, and I I officially I still moonlight for him and do do stuff with him, but left about twenty four twenty five years old. Yeah, and um, so you also were telling me that you. Uh, you almost graduated college just shy, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, when I was in college, um, I, well, it's a long story, but anyway, I took a two-year break in the middle. Um, I went for two years, I took a two-year break, and then I went back. But um, it's, a, it's a pretty funny story. When I was um, in my sophomore year, I um, was just super burnt out. And then um, after when the end of the year was coming up two of my high school friends were like, Hey man, come play in our band. Like come play bass. So I'm like, dude, I have, no, I have no idea how to play bass. Like, yeah. So, so easy. We'll teach you. It's super, so easy. And I was like, all right, I don't need the school thing anyway. And I just bailed for two years and I went and, uh, played in a band for two, for two years. And then, um, when they actually started getting, um, some traction and we're going to start touring the U S it totally wasn't what I wanted to do. So I was like, ah, I'm done with this. I'm <laughs> that's, that's a lot cooler than working in a, a tech company. And uh, that's, that's, that's cool. I don't know if that's cool, but that's, that's my story. But um, so, um, so how did you go from working at your dad's company to, I guess, then you transitioned to being an insurance agency owner. Right. So how did that happen? Well, um, uh, what happened? It's it's kind of silly. Actually, I always think about when insurance agents talk about, uh, well, people go to the doctor's office and they have to wait and do this and do that as if an insurance agency parallels that of a doctor's office. It doesn't because dummies like me can do it. And what I did is I actually got in a car accident. I uh, I needed surgery. The insurance company did not want to pay out. I did not have enough money for an attorney. So how everything started is I went in the library for seven days and I got PNC licensed. And uh, the goal was to fight the insurance company, to fight the man. Now I failed royally, but I now had a license. And so I didn't know that you could start an insurance agency with the license, nor was that really my goal. Um, but as I, as I, further got clarity that I didn't want to stay in my dad's uh, tech company. Um, We were just, we looked at all different kinds of options and he was like, Oh, you're freaking insurance licensed. Uh, What do you think about that? So So did you, did you just start an agency or did you buy one? Just start. Started from scratch. Yep. But now you have two. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, once it once it got good, again, this goes back to my lack of uh, insurance knowledge. Once the one in Utah got good, I literally Googled uh, after a couple of years, I Googled, I just need a higher population density. So I said within a 600 mile radius, you know, what has the highest population density? Los Angeles came up. Uh, headed out to Los Angeles and started an agency there. Had I had any kind of insurance brain, I would have created a sub agency, but I didn't. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, started the second agency out there. So they're completely separate. Completely separate, separate carrier appointments. There isn't a staff member that bleeds in both. Uh, there isn't a software that is the same from phone systems, management systems, raters, but that's the nerd in me that wants to split test everything. Um, yeah, zero, zero parity. What about Slack? Yes, Slack yeah. and virtual assistants. So yes. you do you Slack in both. Nice. I slack in both and virtual assistants in both. Okay, so now you're uh, owning two agencies. Now tell me, how did you get to starting to use VAs? So for me, coming from the tech world, I mean, outsourcing is, is happening everywhere. You know, it's this isn't a, a new conceptually. I mean, it, it happens a lot in the tech world, banking, credit cards. It just hadn't been brought to insurance. So for me, uh, when I started my insurance agency, it was just second nature to outsource. I didn't really get crazy with outsourcing until January of 2018. But I've had virtual assistants for many, many years. Um, and I used them and they were great and they were excellent. In 2018, I was like, shoot, dude, no one's doing this. I think I might be onto something. And I just doubled down. We got tons of virtual assistants and I went crazy. Um, the very first thing that we implemented from a tactic perspective, because RVA was just kind of in the background uh, prior to this, always just rocking and rolling was a good part of our agency, but not necessarily a profit center. So 2018 rolls around. I have a huge database of people that I've quoted and not closed, a huge database of people that uh, were with my agency and left. And I looked at that as very valuable, valuable data. So the very first thing we did is we got tons of VAs in 2018 and we just made outbound calls. And the virtual assistant verified the data and would say something to the effect of, Josh, do you still have the Lexus? Do you still have the uh, Toyota Camry? Okay, cool, cool. And they'd go through the data and they'd say, okay, I'm going to live transfer you um, to an agent to see if they can qualify you for further discounts. And then it would hit our Americans and they would close. So that was the very first thing we did. And it was just incredible for market acquisition. So um, if that was the first thing, did you branch out like to what, how all are you using VAs right now in your agency? Um, so after that, I then helped with the development of a software with agency VA. And then after, you know, and I was still using the VAs and we were growing and, and trying different techniques with them. Um, and the software went well. And then agency VA was like, well, you know, we want you to do something else. And I said, well, before I do that, I want to be part of this virtual assistant thing. Like, I love it. I'm passionate. I'm excited. Uh, it's a lot more. Uh, it moves a lot faster than the pace of an agency. So it's more my speed What from the tech world. I feel like I could. it was more like a tech company. I had more parity there. So got a part of agency VA. Um, and since then, between the two agencies, I'm the beta tester of, of all things new virtual assistants. So right now, if you call each of our agencies, uh, the one in Utah or L.A., the phone is picked up by a virtual assistant. So all incoming calls. Um, the virtual assistant helps with the quoting, data entry, reshops. 
and this is kind of something that baffles the mind of uh, insurance agents and they think I'm foolish yet again. Um, I was spending about eight hours doing commissions. I mean, just yeah, stupid. Totally. So the virtual assistant most recently has learned how to run commissions. Wow, really? Anytime I can think of a $10 an hour task, I try to uh, get the virtual assistant to to do it. So um, are there different, I guess, or from your perspective? Okay, so I, let me back up for a second. So um, a VA, virtual assistant, right? So there's, I've heard the term used for, well, I think in insurance, usually that term is referring to people outside of the U.S. or located in Puerto Rico territory um, and who are like cheaper labor, um, pretty focused and good at detail-oriented stuff. Is that fair? Uh, I think that's the perception, but I don't necessarily think that's what exists because we're getting an ever-growing, actually from the Midwest right now, of Americans that there's not a lot of virtual agencies in the Midwest. And so they're coming into... Uh, agency VA because they want to work from home. So we're having that happen as well. Now there, it's it's not nearly as much as those from South America, Puerto Rico, um, and Asia, but it is growing that there are Americans that want to work virtually. And is the is the cost for Americans more expensive than the cost for non-Americans? Dramatically. For example, yeah. the last girl that I, I uh, interviewed, she had 10 years um, as a commercial. What was she? She was a underwriter. And then 10 years at like a commercial, like as the manager of the agency, she just wanted to work remotely. And so to pair someone with 20 years insurance experience, you know, that it had worn those hats, you know, she was wanting a lot of money versus a Puerto Rican that gets licensed and is brand new. Uh, to the insurance game, but wants to, you know, come in rocking and rolling. So most of the other, and this is a problem that I saw uh, when I did virtual assistance, I went and got my own. I then went to all the different outfits and everything was more captive model or captive mindset. One location of a VA, you know, maybe a box of tasks that they could do. I'm very independent thinking outside of being an independent insurance agency owner. So uh, we, we learned very quickly that, you know, there's, people from all over the world that want to work remotely that have very unique skill sets. And so we've, we've kind of uh, utilized our software, our education platform, and we're, we, we pair them with, with the insurance agencies. Often it's like going to the mechanic. Yeah. You go to the mechanic and they sell you an engine, but you just need a tires. Um, that's what I was seeing with these insurance agencies is the, the pain points that they had you, you, you don't necessarily need an American from the Midwest to come in and fix it. You can right. have a unlicensed person from Columbia that can do a lot of those tasks. Now, do you ever run into people because I would think that the majority of the labor is outside the U S do you run into people um, like, I guess, disagreeing with that in practice, like, you know, USA, you want to keep it in the U S and provide jobs or whatever huge sense of nationalism. And I, I think it was kind of the first time that I realized that what we were doing was kind of a cool concept and, and could really go really fast and go some places is when I started to get the haters and I started to get those nasty Facebook messages. Uh, yeah, I get them. I still get them. Um, usually it's, it's, it's not founded on any kind of awareness um, and or education as to what's happening. The virtual assistant is not in place 
to replace the American's job, but rather supplement it. It's like a steroid shot. Um, like my both my agencies, it's kind of like when you when you went dual screens, you know, you're not going to get them back to use an isolated singular screen. Same with VAs. So they're not going to go back to VAs. They're making more money. They're less stressed. Um, it's a supplemental. But if you can find Americans to do it and it's cost efficient within your agency, I think you should. I just yeah. yeah. Is um so <clears throat> what is the like what's the process look like or how much time and energy and effort is involved in getting set up with a VA to get them um used to how you do things? I mean, one thing I know that we don't do super well is have like documented systems and processes for everything. I would think that'd be something you'd have to have. Yeah. So, so we, we agency VA is broken up into three tiers of virtual assistants and the three tiers, the, the, the predicating, the, the, the factor that, that, that puts them into each individual bucket is how far they get in what's called agency VA university. And Agency VA University is the education platform, the onboarding platform. They're going to learn about EasyLinks. They're going to learn about Vertifor products. They're going to learn about Hawksoft. Uh, they're going to go live, inbound, outbound. They're going to score. It's it's quite a rigorous process uh, to get them up to speed. But Agency VA University, I mean, that was the that has been thousands upon thousands of dollars in the cost of getting that up to speed. A lot of people look at a VA company and they say, okay, well. They're charging me 10 bucks an hour. They're probably paying their VA six. There's a four hour, $4 spread, but they don't realize that if it's a good VA company, they've got a good onboarding and education platform in place um, to get that VA up to speed. Now, even those that go through agency VA university, meaning our virtual assistants, they don't come out just like rocking and rolling and like running at the speed that you are as an agency owner. Um, They have a basic understanding. There still is a level of onboarding that takes place to learn your culture, the way you do things. But our virtual assistants are client facing and they're part of your team, meaning you should get them um, in your Slack. You should get them an extension on your phone system. You should invite them to all your meetings. They should feel and know your culture just as well as any other person you have. Gotcha. Um. Before we go any further, I just want to say, hey, if, if anybody watching has any questions for Wes, feel free to drop it in the comments and we'll get to that. Um, so uh, um, how long? Uh, so I guess back to that question. So you kind of have to make sure you have documented the process start to finish very methodically. Right. And then um, how long does it take for for somebody to get set up and and really, I guess, you know, it, it'd be different for everyone, but how long do you feel like it would take for an agency owner or an agency to feel comfortable with the work that person's putting out? Um, I definitely think, and I have, the, I have, the, so I make three to five calls with agency owners every day about virtual assistants. And so that's been happening, geez, for, it'll be a year here shortly. So I'm getting, I get a great pulse of what agencies want, what their problems are. And they say a lot of the same things in different ways. Um, The onboarding of a virtual assistant is entirely contingent upon what you're going to have them do. We isolate it and we, we push very strongly that they choose three things, three tasks. You choose three tasks to start, get them good at the three tasks, then evolve. Don't come in the game with 10 tasks. Now, if those three tasks are things like, uh, quoting, 
um, answering your phone, um, doing some admin work, you know, stuff like that. It's going to take two weeks, three weeks before you're like, no, they got this. Um, if you're having them control your reshops, which are things that people do, if you're having them take on a huge, huge endeavor, it's going to take quite a bit longer. And I always tell them that your input is definitely going to determine the output. If you hire an American, throw them in a cubicle and then do not communicate with them and just expect that they're going to know what to do, how to do it and where to go. Nothing's going to happen. But if you're there with them and, and now in this digital world, you can be, you know, technically with someone, you know, that's in Asia and that's nighttime right there. Right. Uh, and you can be just as involved. And, and I would say there's some efficiencies gained even more than peering over them in a cubicle. But if your input is is um, is good and you're involved with your virtual assistant, they'll get rocking and rolling really quick. Those that don't work, it's almost always that's my, those are my favorite people to talk to. When they don't work with VAs, I call them. I communicate with them. That's the most valuable data I could ever get. And it's almost always like, dude, when was the last time you spoke to your VA? Well, three weeks ago. Well, freak, bro. Of course it didn't work. Yeah. Not going to work. Right. Got involved. Um, so um, what I know there's probably different levels of uh, cost for different types of VAs. Like, can you go over some of those with us? You bet. So when I started with them to kind of make it make sense, they had uh, setup fees. They had 18 month contracts. And I said, you ding dongs obviously haven't sat in the room with insurance agency owners. Like if you do an 18 month contract, that insurance agency owner is mitigating the risk associated with signing an 18 month contract and they're immediately gone. If you do setup fees, they're going to sit and ask you what's their freaking ROI over and over in different ways. If you do billing just the same way they're explaining billing all day, meaning they pay for the service a month before it's rendered and it hits their credit card. And I mean, does this sound familiar? And should they choose to cancel the premium insurance word is returned back pro rata. That's how we switched it. And we just, it goes on credit card. It's an hourly basis. Our silver virtual assistance, which is our lowest package they're like, uh, they haven't finished agency VA university. So they're going to be running at less of a speed and understanding of insurance, but we can charge less because of that. And we have to stumble into that. It's our, it's our highest selling VA right now because I had agents that are like, bro, I don't care about agency VA university. I want to bring my own in. Just give me a VA, get out of my way. So those are $10 per hour. And then the gold ones are the ones that have completed agency VA university. So the only difference between silver and gold is, just their training and onboarding. And it could have taken that VA two months, three months. Um, the shortest I ever saw was three weeks. Uh, but to graduate and complete all the crap within agency VA university, um, it's just they're enrolled and they've completed it. And the golds are 14 per hour. And then the platinums, uh, that is they're licensed. So now they're licensed. They've completed agency VA university. Um, that's just contingent upon the type of licensed individual, meaning that girl that I discussed earlier that had the years as an underwriter, you know, was on the commercial. She's going to be much yeah. more expensive than um, a Puerto Rican that just got in the insurance world, just got licensed and is brand new. So gotcha. the platinum ranges, but silver is 10 gold's 14 now. Gotcha. And so um, while you were talking about that, one of the things that um, jumped into my mind is one of the benefits I've heard of using a VA is that, you don't really have that employer liability anymore. So like if 
you know, you'd fire them. You're, there's no issue, right? Like you don't have that legal possibility um, of them suing you or whatever down the road, right? Yeah. Or I, I, no, you're right. And I, I, you can also, I get Facebook messages. I, this is, this is happening and happened. That's like, dude, this VA sucks. Can you imagine saying that to one of your employees? You suck. Right. Right. You're, <laughs> especially if you're freaking California, dude. Like you are now. Those words, you suck, were very expensive words. They're going to cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars. Yeah. And that sounds cold, but that's kind of one of the nicer things about virtual assistants is it kind of mirrors like like for me programming. You type in something, it gives you output. You you, you don't have to worry about how they feel. I, that's so rude to say. You do have to worry about how they feel, but you can be a little bit more. Uh, quick and brash and and all right. that stuff. right yeah which is probably pretty nice you probably get to the point of whatever it is right away oh i love it um so troy asked um let me say what do you use to record and send videos to vas um i am old school i like screencast so in fact i don't know i don't know if we can do it maybe it's not worth it but in my Slack channel, we screencast every single task that we're doing. If a VA does it, I want them to be hit by three things before they do it. I want them to have the dictation and be able to read it. So I just write down the process. I want them to see on the screen exactly what's being done so then they can see it. And then I want them to hear it audibly and be able to watch it as many times as they want. Watch it, read it, see it as many times as they want. So I just use screencast. Um, I pair that to a YouTube and I send a list. And with our virtual assistants, every single task has that. So most recently, commissions. I knew I was going to spend eight hours doing commissions. It just is stupid. So while I was doing it, this time around took me nine hours because I, I just recorded everything I was doing. And then I threw it inside our Slack channel. And then the next week, the virtual assistant, that's that's how they do it. That's how I did it. I mean, I had to have a stupid 20-second video on where's the commission statement in Progressive? Right. Where's the commission statement found in Safeco? You know, like that is hard. That would have taken them forever. They would have called, try to figure it out. They could see that in a 20 second video. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what about. Um, Screencast is free, by the way. What is free? Screencast-O-Matic, the oh. program we use, it's free. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I was going to ask is the, um, I guess the, is there any additional software need? Like, do you have to share your workspace with somebody or, you know, set up some sort of entry point from a different country or how, how do they have access to your documents and your system and that kind of stuff? Okay. So that, that answer is twofold. The first one is, and this is great. This is a uh, security happens to be one of the larger, I talk about that every day, all day. Uh, there's a software called VA Vision Software. That software from your virtual assistant tracks every keystroke, every mouse movement, every screen refresh. And then nightly, um, the insurance agency owner is re receives a report that has that data with a score, which is a percentage one through 100 on the efficiency and the workload capacity of your virtual assistant, as well as random screenshots. So security is taken care of on that. As far as how do you get your VA operational, that's up to you. You can, and the VA is set up that should they receive any type of login, they can go and you're good to go. Should you want what I do? Cause I'm a nerd. 
they log in remotely to our machines here and they work from that. Now they have their little laptop wherever they're at, but they log into our machine to do all their work. What do you use for that? Um, I just use, uh, what's it, LogMean is the one I use, but there's okay. TeamViewer that's free that I've used. Um, there's AWS, yeah. Amazon Workspace is a popular one, um, which is fairly expensive, but it's good. Um, it, any kind of VPN, there's Splashtop. I've, I've used a number of them. I just, it's like Coke and Pepsi. I just like LogMean right now. Yeah. Um, but I've used the free TeamViewer and been fine with that. That's free. Okay. Um, and what uh, Beth De La Forest wants to know, what is the price range on the Platinum? Platinum would be contingent upon the virtual assistant. So like uh, Beth, earlier we talked about the, the lady that um, had 10 years, you know, as a commercial underwriter, 10 years as, I don't know what she was like, commercial manager. She is going to be a lot more expensive um, than a brand new licensed agent um, that's brand new to insurance. They're going to be a lot less. So ballpark, uh, anywhere from $16 per hour up to, I don't know, 60 or 70,000 a year, you know, yeah, for the so, really experience. I mean, so you have three levels, the first level is at 10, second level is at 14, the third level, it's varies anywhere in there based on their experience and contingent upon yep experience yeah. you know an american with 20 years insurance experience is going to fetch a lot more money and and quite quite honestly uh agent cva is not profitable in that realm um it was just kind of like shoot we have the technology we have the software there's a freaking need for this and like if you look on our site it says join the waiting list we have a huge supply and demand problem with that right now um the platinums are as soon as I get them, they go. Gotcha. Um, we should be better though this year, but right now we should have more. We're training a lot more right now. Cool. Um, so a week ago or so, you had teased, you had a discussion with Facebook. Yes. Concerning VAs. You want to talk about well, that? It was, it was more insurance. Virtual assistants got brought up. Um, I had... When I started the Salt Lake agency, a lot of people don't know, but Salt Lake is actually a hub for technology. You've got Silicon Valley and they and they joke, but Utah has what's called Silicon Slopes. <laughs> it's uh, and really there are some big hitters that have moved into Utah on the tech front. So when I started my insurance agency, the low hanging fruit was my peers. I got a bunch of these insurance companies and it's been really cool because a lot of them have grown into some seriously big, fun companies, uh, one of which was purchased by Facebook. And this individual has been my friend since we were 19 years old, um, just a fellow nerd, uh, great, great man, built a beautiful, beautiful company. You know, after a couple of years, Facebook buys it. And, you know, now he finds himself meeting with Zuckerberg and he's down out in Cali, um, you know, living in, in Silicon Valley doing that. And, uh, we have had great discussions about what Facebook sees with insurance, what he sees most specifically being one of the you know, programmers and coders at Facebook uh, with insurance. And interestingly enough, a lot of the talk has been more uh, on insurance agency empathy, which is weird. You think it'd be all tech related, but how uh, insurance agents don't focus on the most empathetic times of the insurance cycle, and most specifically, we've isolated down to claims where that's where the insurance agent should be the most involved. Gotcha. We have the tendency to push off that part. 
but should the insurance agent come in that part of the insurance cycle with more empathy, Facebook is seeing value and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you don't understand the margins. Like we can't, we can't be there every time Susie and Joe, you know, get a speeding ticket or have a fender bender. Like it's just not big enough margins to do that. And so what they're saying is with technology, with outsourcing, uh, what if you could make the, what if you could make it work with the margins? So that's what a lot of discussion has been. Gotcha. That's interesting. That's interesting. We, um, I would say until about a year ago, um, our agency would always, you know, somebody had a claim, just give them the 800 number, right? Whatever. And then that's kind of it. And I would just say, hey, call me if you need help with this. If it doesn't go the way you were expecting or hoping or whatever, you know, if you need me to jump in, let me know. Um, but we we felt that same thing that like, you know, we we have to do better than this. We have to like really kind of, this is when they need us. And, and so this is when we have to show up. And so um, we hired someone a little over a year ago and her primary role is um, to be our in-house claims rep. So she, you know, anytime a claim comes through, she's on it, she files it, she walks it through and she's done an amazing job. She has gotten things um, covered that like honestly shouldn't have been covered. Um, you know, she's, when things have gone south for somebody, she's, she's redirected it and like got it going the right way. And it's been, it's been amazing. It's been a really, really great thing for our agency and we've gotten a lot of um, Google reviews out of it, that kind of stuff too. So um, yeah, anyway, that's cool. So, and that, because um, your Facebook just had, they're like the king of data. So they, they can see all that stuff. Right. So that's why it makes sense. Why? Yeah. Well, well, their their approach was, uh, and and if we're honest with ourselves, uh, are the insurance companies doing what's best for the client, or is the valuation and the validation of an agent to make sure and help and have an empathetic dude? I know what you're going through. Not only that, like I told you why when you came with me, why you should buy this insurance, whether it's price or coverage. Now, here's how you use it. Yeah. And so I think there's a disconnect on that part and we're giving it all to the carriers on the utilization of insurance. But if you do right by your client and they feel that, um, you know, I, I think big things can happen. I mean, our 2019, as much as there'll be a strong uh, virtual assistant emphasis and focus within both my agencies, uh, there will be almost the same or similar. We're focusing on the experience of insurance. And that's that is our focus. And part of that experience is going to be uh, completely changing how we do claims. Nice. Is there, um, so wrapping up, is there anything that you, you think everyone should know about VAs that they maybe don't? Yeah, I, th I think uh, dispel the fear. I mean, there's so much fear. I mean, and I understand the fear associated with an insurance agency owner. You're dealing with people's house burning down. You're dealing with 100% of the people lying and saying the accident wasn't their fault. I love that when you're quoting them. I've never met someone that's like, dude, that was my fault. No, they're all, they always got the coolest stories. So I, I get how there's a, a fear-based um, uh I guess feeling inside, but with virtual assistants, you don't need to be fear fighting. That's the big thing. Like we're not reinventing the wheel here. Outsourcing is happening in every other industry. Insurance is just a little slower, um, you know, to, to get behind it. 
but try it out. Don't be fearful. Um, communicate with those using it. It's growing like crazy. I mean, this was this, this virtual assistant stuff, like to be honest with you, I did not think it would do what it's done uh, with agent CVA. Um, it's moving called 10 times faster than I had anticipated. Um, we're, we're getting a lot of, a lot of traction, a lot of movement happening. But the thing is, is don't be fearful. Be open that there is a new way to do things. Be open that as insurance agencies, we can run lean, we can run mean. Um, and, and those $10 an hour tasks, if you're doing them as an insurance agency owner, you validated yourself at $10 per hour. If you're paying someone $17 an hour, but having them do a $10 an hour task, you're stupid. Yeah. So that that's that's the virtual assistant thing is like that's a ten dollar an hour task. Let's get let's let's get someone doing it that we're paying ten dollars per hour. Yeah, totally. Well, cool, man. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, that that that's all I have. I don't see any additional questions out there, so I think that's it. I think we'll wrap this up. Cool. Take it all easy. Right. Thanks a lot, Wes. See ya. There you have it. Hopefully you got some good content out of that. If you have questions for me, you can reach me through our website at bluelioninsurancepartners.com. If you want to reach out to Wes, you can reach him um, on his website, which is agencyva.com. And uh, hopefully, like I had mentioned previous to the show starting, um, my voice and the terrible audio did not distract you too much and you're able to get some good information out of it. But thank you so much for joining us and I will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.